Once again, we want to welcome everybody out for joining us on Palm Sunday. Now, if I were to ask you, if you know what Palm Sunday is about, how many of you, don't say it, just how many of you think you know? How many of you? All right, who can tell me? Who can tell me something? Miguel. No, that's Easter Sunday. It's the day Jesus rode in. Anyone know what he rode in on? A donkey. Anyone know what we call a Palm Sunday? Because we wave palms. That's actually, yeah. But what we're going to talk about a little today is the significance behind what the palms meant what it meant when they waved them for Jesus, and what it should mean for us. You see, Palm Sunday commemorates the Sunday before Jesus' crucifixion. It's when he made his final trip into Jerusalem. <laughs> he would not leave Jerusalem again until he was killed, buried, and rose from the dead. And so we start off in Mark. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark. We'll grab a pew Bible, that way you guys could follow along in the pew Bibles there. I won't give you the page number because we've discovered that even though they look exactly the same, they are not. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 1, says this. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, what are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he was send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside of the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who sit there said, what are you doing, loosening that colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let him go. Then he brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all these things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, he sent two disciples ahead to get a colt or a donkey to ride in Jerusalem. And when they found it, they had to what? Get permission to take it, right? And when they got it back to Jesus, they put their tunics on it to make a saddle. Then Jesus got on the donkey and rode it into Jerusalem. 
Now, how many of you guys have ever rode a horse? How many of you guys have ever rode the ponies that they sell, those little, those little carnivals where they just go round and round in circles, right? How many of you have ever rode on a donkey? How many of you, if you had the choice between a nice horse or the pony at the carnival going around and around in circles or a donkey, would pick the donkey? <laughs> so if Jesus, if this is Jesus' triumphant entry, why didn't he tell him, hey, go find somebody with a horse? Because the donkey had meeting. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey as a fulfillment of an old prophecy about the Messiah. Now the Messiah, what does that mean? The Messiah was to be God's deliverer, promised for centuries. Look at Zechariah. That's going to be in the Old Testament. Zechariah 9.9 says this. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just, just and having salvation, lonely and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, Zechariah wrote that the king, our king, the Messiah, would come riding on a donkey. And when he wrote that, it was still 500 years before Jesus would enter on that Palm Sunday. So it was a fulfillment. The Jewish people studied the word. They studied what Zechariah had said about the Messiah. They knew that Jesus, they knew that the Messiah, would be coming riding on a donkey. And so when Jesus came on the donkey that Palm Sunday, it was a fulfillment of a prophecy that they knew about. They see him riding into a donkey in Jerusalem, and they had been waiting for this to happen for 500 years. So when he came riding, they understood that Jesus was saying, I am your Messiah. And that's why it's called the triumphant entry, because people went crazy after that. Imagine waiting 500 years for something to happen. And when you finally see it happening, because you can imagine, they hadn't lived that long. It wasn't somebody waiting 500 years. It's that they were told something was going to happen. Then they told their children, who told their children. 
so that each generation looked forward to it with anticipation. And each generation that it didn't happen, the anticipation grew. Imagine if someone were to come up to you and say, sometime in your family, you're going to have riches beyond belief. Now, it may not be your family time when you're alive, and it may not even be when your children are alive, but sometime soon, something is going to happen. And each generation is going to look forward to that more and more, right? What if it's my year? What if it's my time with my family, right? So they laid their tunics on the ground for Jesus to ride across. They took branches and spread them on the road. They waved them in the air. And they started chanting, praise God and Hosanna. They anticipated Jesus setting up a kingdom much like David's, though. So on Sunday, they were ecstatic, delighted, and thrilled that the Messiah had come, just as he was promised to. But the thing is, we read in Mark 11 how they reacted. But by Mark 15, by that Friday, the crowd was singing a different tune. Mark 15. Verses 9 through 15. That same crowd had a different attitude. And two words really stick out. The same crowd that went from sounding, praise God and Hosanna, started chanting and shouting two different words. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. What happened then? In those five days, they completely changed their mind. The thing was, is when he came riding in on a donkey that Palm Sunday, that triumphal entry, they had had in their mind that even though he was coming on a donkey, which was a sign of peace, and even though they were wearing palm branches, which was a sign of peace, they thought their Messiah was going to be this great deliverer and avenger who would free them from the tyranny of the rulers they were under. They thought he would be this great military leader. He would set up a kingdom much like David, going around slaying all the giants of his people. And what they didn't understand was that he had come to conquer the greatest thing that held them captive, which was sin itself. 
They thought that this Roman leader, this would, he would free them from the Roman leadership they were under, to set them free from Roman occupation. <laughs> but he would come and go to the Roman leaders and say, much like Moses, let my people go, and it would happen. But what he had come to accomplish was something far greater than freedom from Roman occupation. It doesn't mean that they weren't afraid of it. It's part of the reason the Romans helped crucify Jesus. Because he was this promised deliverer. <laughs> the sad part of it is, is those people who had gone on praising him for his future deliverance on Sunday didn't recognize what he was doing. And joined in on the mob that were saying, crucify him. Because he wasn't what they wanted. And the sad thing today is that people are still missing out on Jesus. They're missing out on who he really is. They can go on any Palm Sunday, any day of the week. It doesn't even have to be Palm Sunday shouting praises to him. Oh, my God is so good, so big and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. But when something seems to not live up to their ideal version of what he should be doing in their lives, they turn their backs and forget who he is. They expect Jesus to fill in a box. They expect him to do things for us, much like they expected him to be this military leader who would deliver them and free them in a very literal sense. We want him to be our problem solver. Because <laughs> let's face it, we get ourselves into messes. When we are allowed to follow our own devices, <laughs> and we have been given free will, we get ourselves in the jams we don't know how to get ourselves out of. And we can sometimes even make it worse because we try to figure out how to do it and just make it worse. And it's not until we reach the bottom of the barrel and we can't actually dig ourselves down any further that we remember Jesus is there. And sometimes we fall into that trap of going, hey, Jesus, where were you? Why did you allow me to get to the bottom of the barrel? How did you allow me to get so low? We expect Jesus to be like a housekeeper who comes in and cleans up after the messes we make. And even though Jesus is a God who for, he forgives us or washes clean, he's not a housekeeper who's just going to sweep everything away after we make a mess. What he wants us to do is to strive to live better. He wants us to ask him for help before the mess even happens. Sometimes we think of him as an avenger, just like we thought of Jesus then. That he was going to come in and punish everyone who had ever done anything wrong to you because you are his child and he loves you, right? 
And so Jesus, the Messiah, your deliverer, is going to deliver you from anything that's ever gone wrong in your life, and he's going to get back at those who have ever made anything bad happen. That's what they thought. That he was going to come in and free them from Roman captivity. That he was going to avenge their mistreatment. And sometimes when we look around the world and we see that bad things and good things happen to bad and good people the same, we kind of wonder about it. Even though the Bible does tell us that God causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, good or bad, people are going to get blessed because he is a loving and just God. And the blessings that your brother or sister who doesn't believe may be giving may be what they need to believe. And who are you to hold it against them? Kind of like when Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Why do they get to know about the saving? Why did God get to save them? They're horrible people. What have they done to deserve it? You ever felt like that about somebody? The question is, is what did you do to deserve it? If a condition of the Messiah coming was that we deserved it, we would still be waiting. The other thing is sometimes they want Jesus to turn back time. We already talked about the fact that sometimes the messes that we get ourselves into can't easily go away. So in other words, if it can't go away, if we can't really clean it up, if it's always going to be there, then we expect Jesus to erase it. Jesus can make us a new person when he comes into our hearts, a new being. But that old stuff is still going to be there. Jesus is what changes us, helps us overcome it. What we need to understand is that Jesus is here for us, to free us. We'll be crucified on Good Friday. He'll rise again on Easter Sunday. What they failed to realize then, and what we fail to realize today sometimes, is that indeed he is a great deliverer. He's giving us victory. Why should we have settled for a Messiah who would have freed us from captivity here on earth when we were still going to die? When instead we have a Messiah who will free us from sin and give us eternal life. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the better leader. Sounds like the better deal to me. (laughs) 
They failed to see it then and we failed to see it today. But he wants to make us anew, he wants to make us changed, and he wants to deliver us from the one thing in our life that does keep holding us down, that holds us back, that causes us to mess up. Sin. He didn't just come to solve our problems, he came to save us from them. Our main problem is that we have rebelled against and sinned against God. All our problems stem from sin, from this rebellion. And Jesus, the Messiah, came to save us from the consequences of our sin, which is death. That Friday when they yelled, crucify him, that's what happened. But his death wasn't in vain. It was his death that made us right with our God. He saved us from the fact that we are all sinners. By his death on the cross, the Messiah made a way for us to be able to come to the Lord, to come to God. And so the question is, is he truly your Messiah, king in your life? We're going to enter into our time of commitment, our time of prayer, and we're going to play some songs. And what I want you guys to do is you'll see we have some palm branches up here in these trees. They cut down palm branches. They waved them to signify that they were recognizing that he was the Messiah. He was in a position of leadership that they were treating him with reverence and respect. And then it lasted how many days? It's why we didn't give them to you ahead of time. It's why we didn't wave them during our praise and worship. Because back then, picking those palm branches meant something more than they just went to a tree and they cut it down. Back then, it meant something. And yet they still turned their backs on it. And so I want you to come today if you're led. And I wanted to mean something to you. I don't want you to wave a palm branch as we sing Hosanna and not know what we're doing. Hosanna, save me now. Hosanna, praise God. But remember that Jesus doesn't fit into a box. He is our deliverer. To come to free us from the death of sin. And so as the music plays, we invite you to come. We have some scissors on the table so that you can pick your branch. And then we're going to sing another song. It's our benediction, a song of praise, a song of Hosanna. As we celebrate the triumphant entry in this time, when we do it, it's going to mean something. <laughs>